At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome, 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 one and all, to Knife Talk, the premier knife, well, the best in the world, let's face it, um, knife-related podcast that's out there, um, hosted by myself, Jeff Fader, we have Mareko Marmasi here, and we have Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives too. How are you all? Doing good. I like that. Good, 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 good. Good, good stuff. We've got lots to get through this week. What you been up to, Jeff? I, it's been busy. It's been, uh, we're, we're trying to get through a pile of stuff. I had a couple little setbacks in terms of materials not coming in when they're supposed to come in, but we took care of it. We had to, you know, duck and weave and figure it all out, but, uh, it's good. I, I'm fooling around with some more of that, uh, bigger forge and tool steel. I like it very much and it's, it's, it's becoming very interesting. And then we have other things to do. And I, I ended up going to a Nick game. I had a stake and I went to the Nick game this past finally week. it came around it came yes. around and it was awesome it was good to see my old college friend a high school friend and we had a steak at a steakhouse it was fine and um <laughs> it was fine it was fine it was that, fine come on that's, that's so underwhelming Dude, well here's he, steak is steak is steak i mean it's like you know it was well cooked they cooked it right it tasted good and it was fine <laughs> you know it's like you know it's always it's always underwhelming you know, it's nothing. Do you, it was do you great. wish you had gotten a, good, a chopped cheese instead? I had a great time. I, look, it, it was t- it was delicious. We had a great time. It was great company. I had a glass of wine. We wa- ate a steak, and we we ca- caught up, and uh, it was really really interesting. And uh, one of the interesting things was was uh, he, my friend works for uh, um, a financial institution, and I'll make it brief. And he was saying how different things are now because of algorithms. Algorithms now are running productivity, and we talk about algorithms in in knife making and in, in out not in knife making, but in social media and stuff like that. But all these big companies are using algorithms to watch cr- productivity, and um, they watch how many words you have in an email and how long you are on a phone call, and it's very like everything is being you know technology is now is kind of 
you know, make, sucking the humanity out of it. Definitely sucking the humanity out of it. And uh, speaking of sucking the humanity out of it, I think I sucked the humanity out of the Knicks because we fucking we went in there and the Knicks. We had an awesome time. The game. I love Madison Square Garden. And I love the New York Knicks. Uh, Knicks all the way, all the time. And we got to see Dua Lipa was in the crowd. And oh, nice. Andy Circus and B- Fat Joe. Fat Joe is a ra- is a rapper in New York. And the funny part was I was tagging Fat Joe. Uh, in my stories, and Instagram thought I was uh, fat shaming someone, so they didn't like <laughs> they didn't like that his name is Fat Joe. But that's just, oh, you know, wait, Joe. Yeah, it's just the Joe is you know that's his name is Fat Joe. And then uh, the most important Jesus one Christ. of them all was my my Peloton instructor was in the in the crowd too. So oh, really? oh cool. that was really psyched. I was psyched. We had a great time. The Knicks blew it at the end, which is unfortunate. And uh, you know, we're onward and upward. So, there you go. Yeah, you jinxed them. I told you before. Well, you know what? Ever since I you said the fucking jinx, the last one, I got my I got chirped by by everybody saying <laughs> that Craig was right, and you jinxed them. So thank you for it's that. It's a real thing. It's I tell you, fucking real thing. There's no such thing as a goddamn jinx. <laughs> Mareko, what's been going on? Uh, I got the hammer in. I can't remember last week if I had the hammer yet or not, but we got the hammer in. Uh, you were waiting for it to be delivered, I think. Yeah, yeah. I was. The power hammer. Yeah, the power hammer. I got a, uh, a 55 Anyang, and I'm pumped to get it in. Uh, we we're hoping to, to to be able to transport it in one solid piece, but we had to take it apart uh, just off the base, um, which was easy enough. Uh, my buddy that was helping me is kind of nerve-wracking because uh, he's a good guy, but he maybe isn't necessarily the greatest uh, excavator operator. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, okay. I wonder where you go with that. He, he's just not the greatest. <laughs> he's not the greatest. <laughs> he's not the greatest. Yeah, you, you, that, was a, that was quite a pause, P.S. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, there were some points when I was really holding my breath when that, that fucking hammer was tilting off at like maybe 10 degrees, 12 degrees, and I was like, oh, my God. I don't even have this thing in my shop yet, and he's going to throw it down on its side. Ugh. But fortunately, that did not happen. It came very close very few time, uh, a few times. Uh, but we got it there. Um, but then the problem is, uh, because he's using an excavator, he's using a mini excavator to get it into the shop, and I have a 10 by 10 door, um, and where I'm trying to put the hammer, you can't really do that with the excavator. Um, and so... Fortunately, there are pallet jacks on the property, and underneath the bases of the Anyang, at least the little Anyang, they have a place for forks to slide in. But the problem mm. is, is that it's 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 pretty narrow. I think the the maximum distance between uh, the outside edges of each fork spot is 23 inches, and a standard uh, pallet jack is about 27 inches. And so then I had to start searching around and the pallet jacks that I had there on the property don't work. Uh, and I ended up f- getting this e- I was just like frustrated and just looking through all the Ugh. things. And uh, I got an email uh, from this uh, website I'm, I, I get notifications from. It's, a, it's an auction website and they often sell tools and all kinds of random shit. Um, but they had some pallet jacks in there. I was like, holy fuck, perfect timing. And I ended up getting... A pallet jack. I am the proud new owner of a pallet jack. (laughs) Of a 5,500-pound narrow fork pallet jack. And the best part is is the thing is basically brand new. And 
uh, I, I went the, the place you can go and you can kind of preview the items and see them in person before you ultimately bid online. And so I went and checked out this jack and there was a stipulation that the jack didn't lower. If you can't lower the jack, it's not very useful. But I was like, yeah. I was looking at the thing. I was like, it's jack shit. Yeah, it's jack shit. So <laughs> I, I was looking at the thing. I was like, this is fucking brand new. What's going on? So I started poking around and I figured out what the problem was. And it's a very, very easy fix. And so I was like, sweet, this is great. I'm going to get myself a pallet jacket. And then the whole, like, the, it was closing that day, which was yesterday. Uh, and it was closing in a few hours. I had all kinds of timers set because I did not want to miss it. Now, there was a place locally that I could have rented a pallet jack. But why rent one when I can basically buy one for the same price that I'm did, renting hmm. one for? This is a new Mareko Mamasi we're talking to. Spending <laughs> money like you wouldn't believe. Unbelievable. Left and Go right. ahead. My goodness. And Look so, at you. I love it. Yeah. Fucking spend some money. Throw some, you got a problem? Throw some money at it. That's the new Mareko Mamasi <laughs> motto. I love it. Yeah. So I got, I won the auction. It came down and it had like, you know, they, they do the, the no sniping rules, which means if there's a bid within like the last five minutes, it extends the auctions another two minutes or whatever. And so I was just sitting there watching the countdown with my heart racing, be like, motherfuckers better not outbid me. <laughs> um, and I got it. I got it for $65. And this wow. fucking story for $65. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not done yet. These these pallet jacks, brand new, which this thing is brand new. It's just it's got a little part that slipped off, and so it's not operating properly. It's not lowering properly. This thing's fucking brand new. A brand new one from Granger. I was looking on Granger's website. It's six hundred and fifty dollars. So I got this for sixty five. I'm picking it up after the podcast today. I'm super pumped. I'm gonna get the hammer put in place. I'm excited. I'm a jack. Wow. You jack. You jack. <laughs> if you have any installation or moving questions i would highly suggest calling uh chris zeppieri he's sure he is move everything dot yeah <laughs> he'll move everything shop yeah but that's yeah. awesome yeah i'm super pumped so one thing nice. that uh, uh jesse savage got one of those and he said that some he, he that some people fill the uh the base with sand the base is already filled with sand all right look done mm. look at you yeah look at you I bought it that way mm. Perfect. Way yes. back when I was a kid, sort of 15, 16, I used to work in a Safeways, okay. like, late at night, like, you know, filling shelves and stuff. Excuse me, and is this where big... you used to take the fucking price gun and put it on anything that the old lady wanted? <laughs> that was one of my jobs. Yeah. 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 But we used to use the pallet trucks, and when the store oh, yeah. closed, we'd race around on them. Yeah. And, um, yeah, plenty of big accidents on them, but great, great fun. Great fun. Yeah. I used to work at Safeway, too. Oh, Look cool. Late night stocking. Co-workers yeah. two times, twice done co-workers, twice. Different lives, different countries doing the same yeah. thing. Crazy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, Craig, what have you been up to? How's the week been? You're, you're pumped. you got a lot of energy. What's going on? I have. It's all sugar. It's all birthday cake sugar. Oh, okay. That's what I'm living on for the last two days. So, Buddy, our 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 littlest was one yesterday. Unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, it's it's we've had a couple of days of... Um, eating too much sugar and too much crap um, and just having a good time with all the kids, really. It's been good. Um, the, uh, one thing we didn't expect is the weather's really taken a turn here. Like, it's gone really, really cold. It's just it's starting to get warm, you know, T-shirt weather and all that kind of thing. It's got it's gone really cold again. Um, so we'd bought him, like, a bouncy castle, you know, those big inflatable things. Yeah. And... Um, we couldn't put it outside, obviously, because it's so cold. So we've had a, a bouncy castle in our sitting room for the last three days now. Oh, nice. <laughs> so there's this constant noise of the pump, just pumping out. 
like all day and all night. And um, yeah, like the kids just eating their dinner on it and stuff. It's uh, it's yeah, it's quite cool. But that that needs to go. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, just eating birthday cake and just it's it's just been real fun actually. It's been real fun. So my wife has been off work for the day as well, and um, yeah, spending time with the kids and just all having having a good time. The kids have been off as well because the the school has been on strike. Um, oh. So yeah, we've all just been we've all just been in the house enjoying our enjoying ourselves. It's been good, I, really good. I ha- this rem- reminds me, happy birthday to Buddy. We I remember when Buddy was born. And the mm. story you told was about how you had to sleep in a brothel. You know, like, Basically. Go visit your wife. You know, I was reliving this last night, speaking to my wife, saying, this time last year, I was in a brothel. Remember? Well, now you got to tell, tell the listeners. So you got to tell the listeners. The birth of his son. Go ahead. So, so when my wife was giving birth, I wasn't allowed in the hospital. Um because I'm a dirty John. No, <laughs> no, because it, we, we were still in pandemic times, and um, it was only when you know the water. And she was literally pushing. I was allowed in, so I was like, oh well, you know, I'd been there, you know, all day out in the car park. It's getting cold. And I was just like, I'm just going to look for a hotel locally. When I get the call, I can be there in five minutes. Um, so you look locally, just find the cheapest hotel I could. You know, it's in the it's in the city, the the, the hospital anyway. Um, find the hotel. Pay for it, book it, and all the rest of it. <laughs> Drive in there, passing some in some lovely areas. Turn a corner, and it's getting it's getting rougher and rougher as I'm driving right. there. Um, I pull up to the hotel, which was just loads of uh, prostitutes outside, and I was like, "Oh Jesus!" I just like just get in my room, head down, get in the room, get in the room. Uh, I should have known there was there was like packets of wet wipes next to the bed. Oh. And I was just like, "What's going oh. on?" <laughs> anyway, within seconds of me getting to the room, the phone rings. So I pick up the phone and um, they were offering me extra services to the room, as in uh, female company. I, I assume a female, any sort of company I'd imagine was, was on tap. But um, <laughs> so, I, so I didn't stay. I went back to the car park. And thankfully, I had to call within the hour then that, you know, I could go in. But um, so, yeah, so when Buddy was born early hours the next day, um, I had to leave. I said, I've got to go back to the brothel. I've left my keys in the brothel. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, yeah, the nurses thought was quite funny. So yeah, that's the that's the brothel story. Happy birthday, buddy! Happy birthday! Happy Dude, birthday! He is so cute. He's yeah. a very he's such a mini you. Yeah, he, he, he really is. is. He, he really is awesome. He's been chatting like the last week or so. You, you can't. He's not talking. He's just making noises, but um, shouting at everybody and demanding <laughs> things. It's it's really the funny. Really funny. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, shall we get on with the show? Yeah. Okay, before we do. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. Do it now. You know you want to. So, deep cuts. We've been doing deep cuts the last couple of weeks. Um, Something that we can, you know, get get down and deep with. Um, and this is a two-part deep cut I've got here. So, it's a bit depressing. Oh, the world is clearly in an economical crisis. Um, the poorer are getting poorer, the richer are getting richer, food banks are on the increase, and, and luxuries, are, they're, well, they're, they're few and far between for the average household now. So, I put the question to you guys. How do you feel making high-cost products when there are people who can't afford to heat their houses? Do you have any guilt at all? I feel like Robin Hood. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stealing from the rich, though. I'm just selling shit to them. No, I don't, I don't think Quite I don't true. think I really feel like Robin Hood, but did, but does it play on your conscience at all that you know you may be selling a knife for a few grand and then you read in about you know people going hungry and all that kind of thing? No, I I give back, I give back, so hmm. I, I I have a I have a clear sound conscience. I feel like personally. Okay, well, that was a shallow cut. Sorry. <laughs> Questions from the, <laughs> but I mean, but at the same time, it's a great question. But the, but the, but the, but the issue is, is, I mean, how are we to be mindful? I, I think the question is, how are you mindful of what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, this isn't a slight on on anybody because you know, my, uh, you know, the products I sell are you know, are far more expensive than they probably need to be. Um, and you know we're all seeing the, you know the pictures on the news and you know reading the headlines and we're, we're probably feeling it ourselves a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Where do you fucking um, live, by the way? <laughs> this is you're like you're like living in some sort. Of, this is not the same. We're not living in the same world in the United States. Okay, okay. but I'm with Maybe. you, dude. I, this is I'm in. I'm in. I got an answer for you. Okay. Okay. Um, well, yeah. I just think you know. <laughs> Okay, if I if I if I think of the UK, where that's where I get all my news, and that's that's the the news that I see in the TV. I see I see UK news, and they're, they're all saying food banks are on the rise. Um, you know, people in average jobs are really feeling the pinch at the moment. Um, you know, you know, and I see it as well. You know, our sort of grocery, our food shopping bill is almost doubled in the last year. Really? Um, and, and that's not because of Buddy. That's because, because you. A, a broccoli is now twice what it was this time last year. Um, and, the, you know, these prices aren't coming down. Um, and it, it goes further than just food, you know, materials for, you know, building houses and all that kind of thing. They've, they've skyrocketed, skyrocketed. Um, and, yeah, so the, the question really is, making such a luxury product, um, do do you feel it? Do, do, do you feel that your contribution to the world is that worthwhile? And, and I said, this isn't a slight. This is literally right. just to get a conversation going. I, I love this question, and I do think about it. And I th- what I think about is when I started this company, it was just me, and then it was me and my business partner. And now mm. we have four people on the, in the, on the payroll, including me. I try to use local, as local as possible businesses, small businesses, people that I know, and I feel like I'm helping contribute to families, you know, people who I'm giving jobs to people to work. And that hmm. to me is, makes me feel better about myself and they like it here. So like, you know, AZ, David, Tony, they like being, they like this company, you know, and I, yeah. and I, and I feel like I treat them well. I think that I, I try to do, I want to do more. I, when I talk to Tony, I say, we, I want to grow for all of us. And I feel strongly about the fact that putting, you know, having an American company and supporting American business and American um, workers is important. And, I, and I, that makes me not feel like, you know, it's, and the other thing is, it's like we're making luxury items, but it's not like we're like, what is it scrooge mcduck on a pile of coins i mean it's like it's not it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah i don't think that yeah. there are many knife makers who are in that situation yeah. and at the same yeah. time it's like if you can move it why not move it yeah but i mean that's the thing it's not mandatory for anybody to buy our knives right that's right. I mean, that's, that's oh yeah, the, yeah. It all boils yeah, down yeah. to that isn't it really um 
but yeah, it, it, it is almost like making these products for, you know, like for myself would be sort of high-end restaurants and then seeing, you know, people going hungry. It, it does make me think. I'm thinking, you know, am I making something that really got any sort of value or is it all just bullshit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just something that plays on my mind. But yeah, I always come back to that, that it's certainly not mandatory. We're making a luxury product. Um, well, you're, you know. you're filling a need. Yeah. And those, you know, you're feeding, you know, filling a restaurant, you know, you're working with other small businesses. Hmm. You know, I think that there's like a, a symbiotic relationship between businesses and um, other businesses. I mean, the fact that you're, you're supplying products for knives for restaurants who are in business to serve other people. I mean, it's, you know, well, yeah. what, 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 what's the alternative? Yeah, no, you're right. And there, there is a whole industry around that, you know, there, there's servers being employed right. and there's not all the rest of it. There's, yeah, yeah. But I just thought it would be an interesting question to open the show. But there is a second part to this as well. So. well do, do you have anything to add, Barack? Yeah, oh. so I, I, wanted, I do want to say that I, I do, I struggle, and it's really my own personal thing, but I struggle with the fact that I do make these luxury goods and, and, and that they are so expensive. And even I, like I couldn't afford to even buy one of my own knives as if I had mm. the extra money. Like I, I couldn't, I would struggle to justify, um, that expenditure. And, but I think I also dabble in kind of a juxtaposition where I, while I make these really f- fine high end custom knives, I also turn around and I offer a sharpening service, which is like completely on the opposite end. Of, I, mean, I feel like it's completely on the opposite end of spectrum where I'm basically saying to these people, like the knives you got are fine. They just need to be sharpened. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of a way for me to find that balance because I, I, I do try to keep in my mind, like realistically any, you know, any luxury item is something that's, it's a luxury. It's kind of in the definitions there in the, in the word It's like, it's, it's an unnecessary thing. Um, what we are making are like I would liken to more like artfully crafted and like artful pieces that that people are buying because they connect with us as the makers. They appreciate the the depth of history and the skill and the talent and the forethought that goes into creating these things, and then using those to you know cook meals and share and have those stories to tell with other people about the process and all that kind of stuff. Like that's mm. you know that is all there, but at the same time there are people who don't either can't do that or have those things or don't need them and and so i'm trying to also work to help to cr- provide value to the other end of the spectrum too um i even occasionally i'll sh- i sharpen actually f- for for restaurants for free um and hopefully you know part of me is hoping you know if somebody comes to them and like and s- for some reason they talk about sh- knife sharpening <laughs> then they might send like send somebody my way but uh it's it's me trying to also help the businesses that have, in our area have really struggled since the pandemic hit mm. and and so many businesses actually ended up closing and the ones that are still alive and going are still struggling even though you know on the outside they look great but you know who knows what the backside looks like and and everybody's so helpful because it for me it's a very small th- thing and a very simple thing for me to do but it means the world to these people because the i'm sharpening these tools that are a, an integral part of the process of them creating the work and the value that they bring to the community as well um mm. yeah. It's interesting what you say about what we make isn't necessary, it's a luxury. Yeah. And I suppose 90% of the function of what we make 
could be easily served by like a twenty dollar knife. Absolutely. There may be, you know, the the the, the, the function we maybe have maybe be, maybe get ten percent better because at the end of the day these will cut. You may be able to get you know cut better slightly, um, but it's all about the other end of the stuff. It's not just the function. It's about the design. It's about the workmanship and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I'm thinking. When times are hard, does that matter to people? That kind of thing. They just need the function, then, don't they? Sure. Yeah. Well, those aren't those aren't our people. <laughs> I, mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, hmm. you know, I mean, yeah. when yeah. I went to the yeah. steakhouse this past week, you think that they took pity on me when they gave me the bill? <laughs> Fuck no, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't fucking. Look, they didn't look down. They gave me an onion and a tomato for fucking sixteen dollars. They did not look down on me whatsoever. So, oh, right. at the same time, it's just like. You know, I, I, I like the idea. I think it's very important to, to be mindful and give back. I mean, I know that during the pandemic, Fader Knives, we were very involved with the, um, the NAACP for making, we sold coffee with the Peekskill Coffee House, and then the hmm. money went to get uh, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi credits and MiFi and all this stuff so kids could do work from home. And I, I felt very good about that. We raised money for that, and then we raised money for the restaurant workers. Uh, the restaurant workers weren't being, we were raising money so uh, the we could buy food from local restaurants to to serve to the to the hospital workers so i think we do th- a lot of people i mean remember you made those masks those face shields mm, yes, and yeah. chris that made the yeah. face shields and i think we give back in certain ways and this podcast yeah. is giving back to our goddamn ungrateful listeners who <laughs> who we, we we keep them company week to week Every hmm. week, and we don't hit yeah. them up with a with a Patreon. We give you the full <laughs> fucking. We give you deals, and we that's giving back free. We do, we do, we do. But there's a part two to this as well. So let's say that the price of steel becomes so expensive that it no longer makes economical sense to make knives. That they've gone like broccoli, steel. All of a sudden, nobody can afford it. Okay, um, so you need to start all over again. It's something completely new at your age now. What do you do? Ooh. Knives are off the question. Nobody's buying knives. They're too expensive. Love it. What What are you going to do? Oh, that's a good one. I'm already doing it. I'm sure. I'm sharpening knives. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, knives will still exist. They yeah. will exist. Yeah. yeah, you didn't Thanos. You didn't Thanos snap them off the planet, right? <laughs> no. Right. I'm going into deep luxury. I'm going to go back into luxury. I'm going to make sculpture, and hopefully, you know. I'll make some sculpture or something. Or you know what? Actually, you know what we would do? I know exactly what we'd do. We would be a railing shop. I would get mm. this shop back into I would be doing uh, ornamental ironwork. Oh, no question. I have the shop, I have the equipment, I have the tools. We'd be doing ornamental ironwork. Nice. I wouldn't like it <laughs> at all. I'd be <laughs> yeah, fucking we want to I'd be, be doing. fucking yeah, yeah, pissed. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. we would do odds and I we at one point my wife and I were really looking into moving down to um, St. John and the Virgin Islands. We we're really thinking about it, and she's in healthcare. And I said, I could. There are all these boats. They need to take. They need welders. They're, they need these boats need to be welded up all the time. The railings are busted up, and all this TIG welders. Back at the last shop, I was doing constantly. All we were doing were fixing boat repairs and some people's railings and stuff. I would. I would. I thought I would do that. We thought we'd move down to the Caribbean, and she would work in healthcare, and I, you know, have a little welding shop and repair people's hmm. shit. So. Nice. I wouldn't be happy about it, though. No. <laughs> okay. What would you do? Okay. Music. Yeah, the bar. I, I think it probably would be music in some way. Um, 
I, I don't know. I've set myself a bit of a goal this year um, to produce somebody else's record. So, I, yeah, I'd like to, you know, go deeper into that, I suppose. Um, and, you know, if, if my hand was forced and I had to, that, that I think that's what I'd end up doing. Yeah. Well, I'd okay. probably try to, fa- I'd try to fall back on podcasting too. So I wouldn't mm. have to do so much lifting. I would do five days a week. I try to get you know more sponsors. I wouldn't hit you motherfuckers up with a Patreon. I give you I give you five days of morning <laughs> morning drive radio. That would be so yeah. much fun. Oh yeah. God. At, at your age, yeah, you don't want to be lifting stuff. I mean, you'd be back at the doctor's getting pegged again every other week, wouldn't you? <laughs> Have mercy, <laughs> Have mercy. Only if my only if I'm lucky. Only if I'm lucky. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. We got plenty of questions for people, but you know that was all about what would happen end end of the world crisis and you know saving money, all that kind of stuff. If you want to save money, you know what you can do. You can go to maritimeknifesupply.com. Uh, Lawrence is a good guy. They've got everything you need. Steel, belts, handle materials, tools, forges, and their prices haven't gone up. Uh, so go take a look. Maritimeknifesupply.com. They're Maritime Knife Supply on Instagram too. Okay. Let's do some questions. Who wants to take the first one from Paul Janza? Yeah, this first one says, uh, here's a question for the three of you. What do you think the next big thing will be in the knife world? Uh, as mentioned before, there's only so many ways to make something sharp and pointy. Will it be some kind of new material that, um, that can be used for a handle? New types of steel that perform better? Better machines to aid in production? What's the next breakthrough that will change the knife world? What do you guys think? Hmm. So really- I think the latter, the better machines to aid in production. Um, we're seeing it now. You know, more and more people are getting CNC machines and all that kind of stuff, um, whether it's for their scales. Um, I think it's only a matter of time before we get CNC machines that are affordable enough um, that will cut steel that people can have in their shops. Um yeah, I, th- I think that's probably going to be the biggest change. I mean, regards to sort of, we have these fads of, you know, different shapes and things that people go through, but at the, the end of the day, everything comes back to, as he says, something sharp and pointy. Um, but yeah, I think technology is evolving so quickly. I think better machines to aid in production will be the biggest, the biggest change to sort of knife making as a whole. What do you think, Jeff? Well, that's the great point that, Craig made. I mean, innovations are being made and f- needs are being filled by companies who are seeing a knife making community, seeing that there's a demand for something, and then they're filling that demand with new forge companies and new anvil companies and, you know, all the all the stuff that's making and the material. You talk Damasteel or Baker Forge and Tool or all these guys are providing the need so people can not have to make a lot of this stuff, they can actually get it and it's a much easier way to go. So it's just a question of, of, um, of it's innovation is making things easier for people to have and use. And you're going to start to see more things. I think it's going to be interesting. I think, uh, it'll be very interesting to see. I was, I used to be, I used to think like all this Damascus production and stuff like that was allowing people to, easily get it I and mean, i'm to blame too I, I get all my damascus from bob rankin a small business guy i've been getting it from years if i need it i get it from him and it but it does keep it in 
the the great thing is is it's keeping it in people's more people have been seeing Damascus now than probably any time in history with social media, mm. and it's giving people the idea you can understand and see what's happening. So I think it's important. Yeah, uh, I think so. You know, I th- I agree. I think tools are going to keep um, being developed and and also being scaled down and more accessible and, and available to people, um, and with you know better forges and better tooling. I think. Honestly, like we already see people, a, a few people making stainless Damascus. You know, our friend uh, Joshua Prince is making it. Will Brigham's making it. I don't know. Um, Devin Thomas is known for making it. Mike Norris. You know, we, there's obviously there's big companies like Damasteel who are making it. Um, but I think as more people um, get better tooling and equipment, they're going to start dabbling in and making stainless. And I think you're going to start seeing probably. I, I don't know how quickly. It's probably still a little ways off, another five, maybe ten years. Um, but I think people are going to start playing more in making stainless because stainless materials perform as well as carbon these days. And and the only trick about them is that, one, they're more expensive, and two, they are trickier to work. And so it is definitely going to be a flex for a maker who can say, I made my own stainless Damascus and the, and show and prove that it's a high-performance great quality tool um but in the meantime there's still always going to be a place for companies who are making stainless and damage steel is a great place to get that stuff i agree and i think that that's the that's going to be the one that is going to be as approachable for people people i i still think that people are slobs i get pictures of my knives that i've used you know bob Mm. rankin's damascus and they've let them rot and and they you know they fall apart and if you were to give someone if you had to give the opportunity of to someone of a damascus or a stainless damascus and the price was the same i think most a lot of people would probably pick the stainless 100%. unless they and i don't i don't have any i mean my company i mean we offer both stainless and carbon and i make my I probably do 95% stainless steel and it's because my customers are not the ones who want to pay a ton of money for knives and they want to also they're some of them are slobs and, and they, they like the idea of not having to worry about it. So yeah. I think mm-hmm. you're, I think you're on the money a hundred percent Rekka, a hundred percent stainless Damascus is going to be the thing. Cool. Cool. And with that, Dharma Steel are one of our sponsors, uh, dharmasteel.se. Uh, they're also Dharma Steel Lab on Instagram. Take a look at the kind of stuff people are making um, with Dharma Steel. Beautiful, beautiful patterns, um, which they reproduce so they're, they're the same each time. They're, they're incredible. Go take a look. Dharmasteel.se. If you set up an account, uh, when you get to checkout, put in Knife Talk, and they'll give you 10% off too. And I think they're taking for. submissions for the next uh, Damasteel Invitational. Oh. They they are. They've got big plans, I believe. Um, more will be revealed over the coming weeks. But it's always a good, good show. So, yeah. So you've got plenty of time to, to register and all the rest of it, but um, we'll be keeping you updated on that, definitely. Look at that. Unbelievable. Johnny Creighton. Yep. Um, he's sent in a question uh, via via Instagram. He's DM'd us. We are Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. Um, and Johnny says, hey, guys, this is Johnny Creighton from JC Knives. I've been making knives for a couple of months now, and I'm absolutely hooked in every aspect. I feel like I found my passion, truly. I have a question about pricing. When first starting out, I've sold one knife so far, and I've gotten seven more orders. I just wanted to get the strategy you goofy bastard used when you started out. Uh, thanks for all the info. I hope you all the best. And he's got a, 
well, it's got it's got a hashtag there, which is uh, work hard, fuck harder. I think well, I think that's something we said a couple number. Of is it really? Ago. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, okay. Pricing then. <laughs> he he sold his first knife. Um, he's got seven more orders, um, and he's wondering whether we had a strategy um, when we started out. I mean, for me personally, I relied heavily on a retailer uh, to kind of help establish price points because I had no idea. I still struggle with it constantly. Um, I do have a better idea of how I value my time. Um, and that kind of helps dictate nowadays, um, where, or how, you know, how, how I price my, my knives. But I think, you know, as much as you can get for them, the better, but I, I, I think if, if you're able to get the experience of somebody who, like a, who's basically kind of a gallerist, and I know Jeff hates gallerists, um, because generally in the art world, they're scumbags, right, Jeff? Right, prostitutes, prostitutes. pimps. Pimp, I usually pimps. say pimps. pimps. Um, and so, but but somebody who is in, in the knife world, it's a little different. There are still some scummy people, but there are uh, people like Abe Shaw or, you know, like Daniel O'Malley up at, uh, sorry, Abe Shaw Eating Tools. Uh, Daniel O'Malley at Epicurean Edge. There's our friends down in Cotillier and Nola. Um, and so th there are places around that even if um, they don't necessarily want to pick up and start selling your work, they might be able to give you some input as to, based, based purely on aesthetics, um, you know, how, how you can price your knives. But also kind of just looking around in general, um, looking at on online re retailers, um, it's hard. It's hard to know what other makers are selling their work for because most makers are like DM me if you're interested. They don't necessarily put a price right on like an Instagram post or something like that. Um, but you know, usually a, a threshold price point is usually around two hundred, three hundred dollars for a handmade knife, whether it's a hunter or a chef's knife or whatever. And that's somewhat of a starting point. But um, you know, I, I think a general uh, principle of supply and demand is you know mm. it, the more demand you have for your work you can you can justify pushing that price up a little bit um but early on it's hard, it's hard to do that it's when you when you when you've gotten more of a name you got a lot of demand like way too much demand then you can kind of start pushing those prices up to kind of balance out that whole supply and the demand or the demand in the supply but i i don't have a perfect yeah. equation at all well, see, but you also had a different situation because your pedigree was much higher than like this guy. I don't know this guy, but I mean, yeah, it's like yeah. this was his first knife. I mean, he, I don't think he was working for, you know, the, your pedigree is much higher than most people. Yeah, you were making world-class knives before right. you branched out on I your mean, own. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, he, he, this, I, P.S., I love Abe Shaw. I don't think Abe Shaw is a pimp. And that's number one. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if you make one knife and call, call up Abe Shaw, he might just, he might just leave you on red. <laughs> I, 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 think, I, I think it's, I think it's very important to, and you know, the funny thing is that I've been thinking about podcasters because a few people have been chirping at me. Some podcasts have been chirping at me and it, and it reminds me of knife making too. And a lot of it is don't worry about what other people are doing. You need to put the time in and the energy in. And then things work themselves out. So it's better to uh, put the time in and make more knives and figure out a way that it works for you. But know that your first one, your first ones are not going to be very good. And you should try to, you know, if you can cover your time, you cover your time. But 
if you start to think about pricing, I think Morocco said the right thing. I mean, you know, if you can get a couple hundred bucks off a knife, especially in the beginning, uh, maybe people want to help you out and stuff like that's the move. But like, there are a lot of people, a lot of knife makers and a lot of podcasters who need to put the time in before they start. Their eyeballs are bigger. Their pocketbooks are bigger than their eyeballs. And it's like, it's a little bit, you know, the move is to just put your head down and keep working and, you know, and then as you get better, all of a sudden the prices go up. But as far as I'm concerned, I would rather my prices go down than go up. Sure. But so, at the same okay. time, but at the same time, like I have, you know, there are mouths to feed here. So it's, it's, mm. you know, but at the same time, I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm gouging anybody. That's for sure. And I'd sure. prefer it that way. Do you think to add up to that, what you're saying, Jeff, do you think it would be, just kind of a good idea to keep your prices as low as you possibly can for as long as you possibly can until you just like you got to push the prices up yeah to kind of start thinning the crowd i mean my opinion is is you're the best thing that any up-and-coming knife maker can do is to make as many knives as possible the best that they can and then keep the and then keep the demand up by keeping the price reasonable you know i'm assuming this is an assumption that this guy's doing part-time like most people are part-time and I think that the most important thing is you got to get the reps in and if you're, and if you're learning and you can make a couple bucks while you're learning, cause every time you make a knife, you're learning, For sure. you're learning different mm -hmm. efficiencies, what works, what doesn't work. I suck at hand sanding today, but maybe I'm better tomorrow. Those are getting your like pushups in, you know, those mm -hmm. are getting your reps in. And if you can make a couple bucks on top of it, that's great. But at the same time, everyone seems to think that they're fucking, you know, you know, Jerry Fisk after making three knives. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, and it's the same thing with podcasters. I get all these, I get fucking chirped at by podcasters who are just like, you know, they guys do five podcasts and then they get the best guests and they do a lousy job or a mediocre job with the guests. And you got to put your time in, you got to put your time in, you got to work. You got to not worry about, you know, your sponsors. You got to worry about like, you got to worry about like putting it in, do Keep doing it. Mm. Do a hundred, do a 200 episodes. Then talk to me, then chirp at me. You know, <laughs> fucking flea bags out there giving me fucking fritz. And I just, listen, I'm with you, but put some time in, man. There you go. There we go. I, I, you know, I didn't have a strategy when I started, um, and perhaps I should have. Um, but it, it was sort of quite organic. Whereas um, to start with, I, I wasn't taking custom orders because I wasn't known in any sort of way. People didn't know who the fuck I was. Um, so I was just making them, and I was just putting them straight onto the website um, and then using social media to sort of try and pimp that. And, um, and yeah, when it comes to pricing, I think it's a case of you get what you can when you, when you start. Um, and you, you soon know if, if you're doing it that way, it's all very much out in the open because your prices are up there. People know, you know, people know what they get in. Um, people who, who, you know, even though that we, we talked about, you know, don't worry about other knife makers. Um, but you know, they can sort of judge your price and all that kind of thing as well. Um, and I think that's on a sliding scale then. So as, as you get more customers, you can then raise that slightly. Um, because you know, costs will go up as, as you, as you decide to become maybe a full time or whatever it need, maybe your cost will go up. You'll need more machinery, you need more equipment and all that kind of stuff. So your pricing will go up, um, to a point. Um, but then, uh, yeah, as as Jeff said, there's there is something in not just going for the highest prices because there's a certain expectation involved in that as well, um, and you know the, the, there's a lot of criticism that could come your way, and there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that can go on. So 
Yeah, for me, it was very organic. Um, but, you know, if you're taking custom orders now, that I suppose that's the difficult part, isn't it? Because you need you need to price it out of thin air. Um, so I don't really know. But um, if you just put them up to sell on the website, put them, put them in a reasonable price, and you can judge if they're selling, then, you know, maybe next time, put an extra 20 on, you know, and that kind of thing, and, and see where that line is. None of it's easy. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. There's this ex, there's this idea that everything should be easy and I think that we get a little bit blinded by instant success when you know slow and steady wins the race every time. And and I think mm. that there's this it's a strange concept that we want immediate satisfaction, immediate. And some people frankly are just are they're a little bit their eyes are bigger than their stomach. They don't realize that, you know, it's just not the case. And I, you know, I wish this guy the best. I wish them the best. I think that the move is, you know, if you want to jab somebody, jab your family. You know, you want to fucking give someone this screw. Uncle asshole might want a knife for a birthday present and, you know, give it to him. Give it to him. We'll put a little extra on there. A little there surcharge. We there we go. Uncle asshole surcharge. Talking about needing extra equipment, you're going to need one of these. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to knifetalk.net forward slash heat. That will take you to Sword Ceramics, who are a distributor of, of Even Heats. They've always got some in stock. Um, go take a look at uh, knifetalk.net forward slash heat. See what they've got. You can also put an order in for something special anyway. Um, you'll get $75 off um, and free shipping in the US as well. So we put that link down in the description, knifetalk.net forward slash heat. Do you want to take the next one, Yes, Jeffrey? sir. Blaze, bla- blazed... Blazed Blades. There's a name for you. Oh, man, I had a hard time with that. Uh, Howdy, boys. Question for you all. Uh, I know the general consensus is to not use, quote, found steel for making knives, but I live in a town where logging in the railway is a huge part of its history. The town is a huge tourist destination, and I think it would make knives using recycled steel from old mill saws uh, or railroad material I could use as a marketing tactic. How would you suggest incorporating recycled steel while ensuring high-quality knives? Thanks. Blaze Blades. Thinking local, baby. Love it. What do you think, guys? Mm, I've never used any sort of steel like that. Um, simply because steel isn't that expensive. When you, when you think of what we're selling, again, this, this luxury item, there's a certain value to it. The, the, cost, the cost to that are quite minimal. Um, so especially when working in sort of large batches, I also like to know exactly what I'm working with. Um, and I think taking a risk on and found steel, um, could be a problem, but I mean, if, if you're forging, you know, one-off pieces and you can find yourself a big chunk of something, it could save you, you know, a, a lot of money. So, um, I'm sure my record can tell us, um, of somewhere you can go to get that steel tested anyway, and that will tell you exactly what you've got. If you've got a big, you know, a, a big lump of it. I feel like I could see Craig sitting there looking over his glasses as he's swirling a glass of wine, thinking, <laughs> I've never used recycled steel. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. Um, that's 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 a that's a lie. That most of the steel I use is recycled, but it's recycled at the plant. That's a good um, point. No, no, simply because you know I I I you know I use I use flat steel. I use you know sheets, yeah, yeah. and um, you know I, I, if I was forging, it would be a different system, maybe. Uh, yeah, I have definitely worked with uh, reclaimed or recycled materials, uh, and I honestly. 
Well, I remember when I first discovered the guys over at Bloodroot uh, Blades, David and John, I was like, you sons of bitches. Or sorry, David and Luke. I was like, they're already doing it and they're killing it. Uh, but they do a great job. But part of what makes them work so well is that they, they test all of the material they're working with. So they know exactly what the steel is. That way they can tailor the heat treatment to it um, based on what it is. Uh, I know of one place, I'm trying to look it up. I'm pretty sure it's called metaltest.com. It's very, uh, very straightforward. Um, but you can send a tiny little coupon. I think the last time I sent something to them, they only asked for like a half inch by half inch square piece of the material of the blade or the, of the, yeah, the material that I was working with. And I sent that and I got the results back and you know, they can either just give you a chemical readout or they can, eh, 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 that has the different qualities or, or they can also sometimes estimate to know what kind of steel it was. So I, I the one, one of the ones I had tested, um, turned out to be very similar to the 1095. So that's basically what they said could be 1095. And so I just treated it that way. And before I actually got crazy in making stuff from it, I did go through and, and did some, uh, heat basic heat treat regimen on it and did some grinding and testing on it just to see like how it performed and and after doing that test blade i was happy with that and then i felt comfortable moving forward and using it in a build project and i love the idea of using recycled materials because like we were talking about before it's like it adds to some of that story of that thing and especially if you're trying to target um either a local uh economy or the tourists who are coming to this very uh, specific place mm. for it to be a thing that they can take away and be like this is a little knife made from bandsaw blade still from the mill in this place that we went and visited on our trip blah 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 um that's all yeah. it's all part of telling the story and, and and kind of bringing some life and some richness to what can be just a basic sharp and pointy thing right um but yeah, metal. Sell the story, sell the knife. Yeah. So, soak, soak these tourists. Yeah, exactly. Metal testing. Uh, sorry, metaltest.com uh, is a lab that will test metals for you. Um, and I'm sure there are plenty online. There's also another place called metaltest-inc.com. Um, yeah, so there are several places I th I'm sure you can test around the uh, around the country or even around the world. Um, if you look up like just google metal chemistry testing or whatever something along those lines should give you something but i think the key to using recycled materials is to know what you're working with uh you can shoot from the hip and sometimes you can get good results um and maybe with tourists you don't give a shit maybe you don't you know you slap together a knife and you don't put your maker's mark on it you sell it you make your money and you move on um but uh that uh, for me that's that's not how I wanted to operate and what I was hoping to do with the knives that I was building. And so I went through the testing process and it took a couple of weeks, but um, I'm, I'm glad I did because I, I came across the stockpile of this material that I could use and I still have plenty of it today that I could, can use for future building projects. You can also not have to do any of that and just use the steel for parts of the knife, sure. like Absolutely. a bolster. Like that would be I mean, in my mind. I if I, I imagine these very pitted steel, uh, you know, saw blades, super duper pitted, and I wanted to keep some of that pitting, I'd be cutting some out 
and then uh, use them as a the, bol- the top of the bolster for a hidden tang knife. And then all of a sudden you have that richness and you can actually see it. Yeah. And then you get your knife from a reputable source. You have your parts. Maybe even send out the, the thing to get drops cut and you have a stack of discs for so each knife has like a you know or a butt cap or whatever and, and then all of a sudden you still have that you know you can physically see the you can physically see the pitting of the steel and that might be nice too mm-hmm. i had some i used to do that i had uh parts from uh i did a knife i had a part from the williamsburg bridge and i used a i used a, one of the rivets as a bolster and I just drilled in and cut it all out and did all that thing. And it was kind of neat to have just a part. And nice. it wasn't, I didn't have to worry about whether or not it was hardened steel or not because it was a part of the bolster. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you can also use it as cladding, honestly. Like you could do like a sand mine. So, say it is a bandsaw blade or a railroad, like you could forge a railroad tie and like cut it up and forge the tie, or not tie, but the track, forge it down in flat stock, clad it on the outside of, of a known steel. And then you're comp- 100% confident in the core material, and then it still has the elements of this reclaimed material. But yeah, using it in the cool. hardware is a perfect example of how to use it, but not use it on the blade. Right. That's yeah. a thorough okay, answer cool. right there, guys. It really was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, this show is great at... Um, well, I mean, I say this show. Um, you guys, the listeners, are great at making the show what it is. Um, and we've had a bunch of of, of uh, ideas from you. It's like show ideas um, come through this week, haven't we, Jeff? New bits. New bits, We had new yeah. bits yeah. submitted over the past couple. I, sub- I uh, After nice handmade uh, knives, did a great job. He, he's been submitting uh, great bits, and, and I said that maybe we could have other people submit blades. So I uh, submit bits. So we have bits submitted from other people. So let me know. You want to do an ad? Do we need to do an ad read? Or we're... Um, well, you could tell everybody about your grinder, and then we'll go into new bits, Listen, I Listen, I use, I use my Broadback Ironworks grinder all the time. I love this grinder, and it goes horizontal. It goes vertical. It's just something that I can't live without, and it's a great grinder. And if you go to BroadbackIronworks.com, and you put in the promo code KNIFETALK200, you get $200 off any of their grinder packages. Knife Talk 100 gets you $100 off their sharpening system, surface belt grinder, and leather sewing machine. And... They got a special deal for the Blade Show Texas sale. The promotion is going to be two hundred fifty dollars uh, to their website. So if you buy a the Max package, they're going to give you two hundred fifty dollar gift card. They use on the website. If you buy the premium package, they're going to give you three hundred dollar gift card. Mega package four hundred dollar gift card, uh, and that's great. So their sale starts Friday, March seventeenth, and it ends Sunday, March twenty sixth. It'll be available online and at the Texas show. So. Definitely check out BroadbeckIronworks.com and uh, see what the fuss is about. Cool. So, um, I uh, like I said, we have new bits submitted to the to the guys. And I'll- At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Read them to you and see what you think. Uh, if you want to send the listener feedbacks and questions, uh, new bit ideas or whatever that we could use, uh, go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram and you can shoot us a DM. Uh, this one comes from Robert Pierce. Hey guys, I have a new bit idea for you. Not one that I think you're going to be, str- not that I think you're struggling for content. Thank you very much, Robert, for saying that. But something <laughs> that would require a little bit more uh, IG interaction and would lead to some interesting uh, discussions. We call it listener survey. Like the survey answer is, and an example of the upcoming <laughs> yeah, and an example of the upcoming knife show. Uh, you would we would submit to Instagram what form of payments do you take at knife show, and then you could do A cash only, B money apps, C point of sales, D money order. You could run it through your Instagram stories and then discuss the results on your own with your own experience tied in. The goal would be for listeners to suggest a survey topic and answers. Thanks for a great listen very every week. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. I don't know why is that I love you. I love we you. like you know, I'm sorry, man. I, I don't know why I put those This guy really yeah, loves us. He told us. I, he, he, Robert <laughs> Pierce. I, Robert Pierce, I'm sorry, man. I I knew you didn't say that. I know I appreciate you guys. I'm like I will fucking jump the gun. Uh, jump the gun. Jump the gun on how you feel about us. I'm sorry. So what do you think of that idea? Um I, I, I don't quite get it, to be honest. Well, I think I, that yeah, what we would do see. is we would submit a question to the listeners on Instagram stories. And then we would, and then we could read off, you know, we'd have a question that we would submit, and then they would vote on, you know, the, the answer that they see. Does that make sense? And then we would be able to read it off saying, oh, well, we asked the listeners, you know, and then read the results. Okay. Or, yeah, yeah, that's what or makes sense. Here's yeah. the here's what we could do, which would be fun, and it, it would be, it would mean that the two of you are not allowed to look at the Knife Talk podcast on Instagram. We could do a version of Family Feud, where I have <laughs> I have questions. We've got to guess what our, and we have our to lovely guess listeners what, think. Yeah, we have to. We would have to guess. I would have to. I would. I would have to. You'd have to. I have to figure it out. But we could have them vote on a survey says, and then that would be the game. So that's what we're going to do, Robert Pierce. I am working on it. So that means <laughs> I'm not going to do it this week. But what we'll do is I'll have some Instagram stories, and we'll have three topics, and you'll say who, what was the number one answer for this question, and then the listeners will vote. And I'm sure somebody's going to shit post, and maybe it won't work. But we'll see what happens. But good job, Robert. We're gonna, I'll do that. I will do that now. I'm talking about it. The next one is Madge Kick Knives. So after listening to this week's episode and you guys asking about new bits, I think I have one for you. Fuck up of the week. As in you guys each week do a short segment about your biggest fuck up from that week. 
It would be good laughs and also potential good learning for us listeners. Mm. Loving the podcast lately, getting me through the hours of hand sanding. That's a good idea. Yeah. Do you is. guys have yeah. any offhand? Do you have any fuck ups of the week? Probably fucking perfect for me. No, for me it would be probably blade finishing. Uh, I, I'm constantly experimenting and messing with blade finishing, um, but w w uh, the hand or what is it? Yeah, the, no, no, the blade was great, and I mindlessly was cleaning up the handle and ripped out some of the finish on the hand on the blade. So I had to go back and refinish the blade again uh, after I'd finally dialed it in. So that feels good. I have a pretty good fuck mm. up of the week. Do you have a good fuck up of the week, Craig? Um, uh, not so much of a fuck up. I discovered something this week. Um, we've been moving a lot of stuff around about the studio belt and so on. So it, it this this is sort of part of where my workshop is. Um, moved some stuff only to find a probably about three hundred quid's worth of belts that have been there since we've been here about two years. Oh. Um, all sort of twisted up and they've had weight on top oh, of yes. them and they're fucked based they're fucked basically what belts what do you mean like, what kind uh, of belts you know abrasive oh, they belts. were yours they, yes and what happened yes. how did they get yeah. like that when we'd moved here and i brought all my stuff in you know everything was in before i had a chance to put, put everything away tidy these got covered up so i just didn't see them and um, they had been smushed and um yeah so yeah, that was a shame. That was a big fuck up. Yeah. I had a fuck up, and it's my problem. I was using the uh, surface grinder for Broadbeck, and those magnets are fucking strong. And I was <laughs> yeah. I was slapping a piece of steel onto the magnets, and it caught my finger, and it took a big chunk out of my finger. Oh shit! You know, it was like. Do you know what you need to do? You know what you tell need me. to do. Um, don't put them. Don't put your steel straight onto well, the I magnets. I learned that after the after like uh, wrapping okay, my fucking yeah. hand up. I use like two or three mil G10, and I've got a oh, couple wow. of sheets really? of it. And I put that on there. Then I put the so so it overlaps slightly, so it comes it comes over the top. So then when you put your blade on, it sticks perfectly fine. But then you can just peel off that G10, and the knife comes off with it. But so it's still sort of but it's still like you put it, if you put it on, it just fucking ugh, it, oh, it still does that, yeah. And if you put your finger behind it, like a little flap, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I can, fucking. <laughs> took out a huge chunk and I was like, I must be the dumbest motherfucker. And then I realized what, <laughs> what I do is now I put the steel on one corner at the front and then I use a little mallet to kind of knock it up. Oh. And then I'll use like a screwdriver right. and a mallet to kind of but, get it, to, to kind of slide it up along the magnets so it's where it needs to be. Does that make sense? But if, yeah, but if you use the G10 and you, you hold the knife against the G10 so it's flat on the G10... And then, because the G10 is bigger than, if you if you say that's a platen of the uh, the surface okay. grinder, you know that that big bit that you put the knife on. If the G10 is thicker, as as in you know taller, um, if you're holding the blade on oh, there, yeah. and then you just you know, yeah, but it, I mean, there's none of this. But you have no idea, yeah, and you and you're not moving the steel against the metal, so it can't scrape or scratch. But I have such you know? a love for G10. How can I possibly use it for anything other than? <laughs> I mean, I have adorate when Robert Pierce loves us. I love G10. So I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could bring myself to ruining a piece of G10. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. But I did. Okay. I just trying to save those fingers. I do. It was bad. It was real bad. And then last mm. but not least, our friend Brigham Kindell. This is funny. I'll tell you why this is funny. I, I'll, well, I'll tell you. I'll read it and then I'll tell you why it's funny. Uh, hey, what about a recipe of the week for the new bit? 
I'll start off. I love it. <laughs> he just wrote a fucking recipe. This is the best. Basically, he's got a recipe yeah, he wants to just, give us. He just yeah. wanted to give us some more. You want me to read the recipe? Yeah, I'm reading it. this. I'm Go just like, it, yeah. what the fuck? Where's the bit? He just wanted to read a recipe. So yeah. once again, from Brigham Kindell. Hey, what about recipe of the week for a new bit? I'll start off. I love pork <laughs> belly burnt ends. I cube the belly into two. He went fucking into detail. I cube the belly into two-inch cubes, coat everything in my favorite rub. Right now, it's... Loot and booty, everything rub. That's a fucking name. <laughs> loot, loot, and booty. loot and booty. I put on a preheated smoker at 225 and smoke it until it's around 180 Fahrenheit for two hours. Then I bring it inside, put it in a cooking tin. I cover it with barbecue sauce, brown sugar, and uh, pads of butter. Place all over the pan. I also put in a splash of apple juice and cover it until it's back in the smoker and reaches 201 degrees Fahrenheit. It ends up being meat candy, and it's amazing. Just don't eat too often, or you'll end up short, fat, and happy like me. Well, maybe not too short. <laughs> so Brigham Kendall, Brigham Kendall just gave us a recipe, guys. So Nice. Nice. Do you guys smoke anything? Have you got smokers? I used to have a smoker. But mm-hmm. I, I have mm-hmm. a uh, – my dad – I had my dad's little smoker, and we, I used to use it all the time. And then I just got, I just thought it was just like, it's enough already. But I do have a, uh, one of those little boxes that you can put, uh, wood in and then use it on your gas grill. And that works just as well. Yeah. Yeah. Another type. Yeah. 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 I haven't really done a lot of smoke with smoking. Uh, I have a smoke gun, um, which is like this little thing that looks like a vaporizer that people would use for smoking weed except for it's for burning a little. (laughs) It's a, it's a bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, how do you say that? Craig? A bong. bong. (laughs) It's a fucking bong. (laughs) Bing bong. (laughs) Don't say bing bong to me. That's a Knicks thing, and they lost. So okay. Really? Okay. Okay. Right. So use your bong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've used my smoke gun a few times, but I would love to get into smoking meats. Um, I've thought about actually making a cold smoker. Are you guys familiar with cold smoking? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. yeah. They do a lot with salmon right. and that yep. kind of stuff. Yeah. Does it? My uh, neighbor and I mm. were going to try to do cold smoked salmon one year, and we just never got around to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, smoking's fun. Yeah, smoking's fun. This is like a lot of work. <laughs> it's the title. No, <laughs> smoking is fun. Nah, no kids. It's not. It's not fun. Um, that's it. Okay. That's it those bits. Okay, that's it. Yeah. Okay, let me tell everybody about KnifePrint. Uh, KnifePrint.com. Um, we, we're always been asked about, you know, CAD and design systems and all that kind of stuff for, for knives. Um, and until recently, you had to, you know, download something. There's a license fee. It's very expensive. Now you can go to KnifePrint.com and do your, your CAD in the browser. Nothing to download. No licenses. Nothing like that at all. Um, they've got special tools specific to knives as well. So when you design it, they make it super, super simple. Press one button, it'll render in 3D, and you can spin it around to see exactly how it'll look. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful tool. Um, but the, the bonus thing is they've got a print button. So you press print. Um, you then tell it what you want to print on, whether you want it so, you know, water jet or laser cut on the steel you want, the thickness of the steel. And you'll get one in the post. It's like magic. It's great. It's great. So I think on March, you see the March 15th or March 17th, uh, they've actually got a new editor going live to make it even simpler again. Um, but go take a look, knifeprint.com. Um, they've got a really good educational center there as well to show you how to do how to do the designs if you've never used a CAD before. They make it super, super simple. So go take a look, knifeprint.com. We have excellent, excellent listener feedback. 
Okay, let's do it. All right, so remember, all right, so once again, if you want to interact with the show, send us some listener feedback, you go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram and you can shoot us a DM. Do you remember last week we were talking to an anonymous guy who said that he was trying to make it work with the knives and he was, his, his coworkers were breaking his balls and then they started to give him a hard time and said he was making gas station knives. And then on social media, mm. they started breaking mm. his balls on social media. And we basically said, fuck these guys. Yeah. Do you remember that yeah. story? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So he responded back. Oh, and this nice. is fucking awesome. This is fucking awesome. Here's a follow-up. I had some training with my coworkers today that was three hours travel by car. I got to work mm. early. <gasps> I got the car checked out. And I paired my Bluetooth with the car radio. <laughs> And he played oh, our podcast. Yes. I had knife. I, salute you. I had knife talk ready and skipped ahead to where you guys <laughs> told him to fuck off for five minutes. <laughs> His oh, reaction, great. along with the other three coworkers, was priceless. I think it <laughs> humbled them some. Keep up the good oh. work. How great is that? Oh my! God. I wish he'd recorded that, that and sent that God recorded damn, into. Damn! This is the fucking. This dude is the best guy ever. That is, you are the fucking, can you imagine getting your balls broken by these shit dicks and then you get them in the car and you make us fucking lace them. <laughs> That's a strong move. You made us lace them. And they're strapped in for three hours. They've got to lace <laughs> That's a strong way to start off the drive. And, and he knew where we were in it. And he's like, I'm going to make sure these motherfuckers know that I had a podcast, the number one knife related podcast, calling them a bunch of Pecker heads. I don't remember what we said, but I think we were pretty ruthless. Uh, we, I think we were, yeah. That's How great awesome. is that? And I think at one point we said, they'll never listen to this. We can call them what <laughs> yeah. we want. I'm sure we said that. Too. That's awesome. This dude is the, you're the fucking man. I, I salute you a thousand percent. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. That is amazing. Uh, D, DTM Shenanigan says, uh, I heard something on last week's show about the gentleman who had a table saw, a band saw, and then a 30 grit belt incident with the same finger. I've now had two major incidents involving stitches on the same finger and a dozen minor grinder bites. The doctor I spoke with said on the last go-around, there's likely nerve damage. I'm getting into a blade or a belt much farther than I should because I don't feel it at first. Oh, my God. Not sure if this helps, but if something were to share, uh, just something I felt like sharing. I actually put a drill bit in my finger years and years ago, and there is definitely nerve damage to that finger. I can't feel shit Hmm. in that whole finger. Interesting. Yeah. Ronald Knives says, it's funny what you said about couples sharing knives. I think we said, we were talking about, uh, somebody said, what do you do? A couple asked me, each one of them asked me to make knives for them. What do I do? And we said, fucking soak them both. And and we said, yeah, no, nobody, you know, they're not, you know, his and hers knives. So Ronald Knives goes, it's funny that you said that about couples sharing knives. My wife and I have my wa- my knives and her knives, but we always you always use both of this uh, all the time. On the other hand, when it comes to hand tools, we have our own chisels, hammers, and hand planes. God help whoever uses the other person's partner's tools. <laughs> so you know that that's not a bad idea. There's nothing worse than going to get a tool and it's not there. Somebody else has used it, and he's just like, oh, fucker. I hate <laughs> you guys it. Have, hate you it. You guys have never worked in in like. With, and fabrication shops where you have your own tools and somebody fucking uses your your shit and when you need it and it's not there mm-hmm. you lose your fucking mind i had uh when that so yeah so you're in a metal shop a lot of times you're bringing your own tools in but there's like shop tools and stuff like that and you have your own space and you know you just you want your shit where you leave it and i remember yeah, one guy yeah. took my hoffy hammer and used it to hit uh center punch holes <laughs> 
center punch marks. <laughs> and I, 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 and then, you know, a week later, so I saw my hammer and it had like all these bumps all over it. I was like, what the fuck? The forging hammers are different from like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, if you're using a forging hammer, you, sh- you shouldn't use it for chisels and and stuff like that because or not ch- well i mean cold chiseling and all that stuff it's it's rough on a hammer so usually you know we use soft hammers something like that and i just remember being like what the fuck did you do he's like oh it's a hammer you can use a hammer i was like well don't use mine it's nothing there's nothing worse than that um and then we have hummer knives hummer knives good old aubrey hummer says in regards to de- the demagnetize question somebody was asking oh, us yeah. if we ever demagnetize our knives I use hmm. a surface grinder attachment on my belt grinder that leaves the steel magnetized afterwards. Uh, the problem is that the blades collect metal shards on the surface, which can potentially scratch your finish. I brought a cheap watch demagnetizer, and it solves that problem. Hmm. Interesting. So. Hmm. Good idea. How, I wonder how they work, demagnetizers. What, what do they do? I have no idea. I think, Mareka, no. you knew, didn't, don't you? No. They demagnetize the steel. Oh, thank you. That's all I got. Oh, thank you. The name's in the title. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. they demag. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Very, very helpful. Yeah. Um, hey, Budden says, 20 wet slaps would have been a good name for the last episode. That grinder. <laughs> it would have been perfect. <laughs> that grinder whip story was hysterical. Cheers. Good old Hey, Budden. Um, and then the last. I'll, I'll read you this last one. Uh, Will from. From Maine says, hey, guys, thanks for addressing my question on the show. I will definitely pick up a face shield for grinding and cutting. Good advice. Follow up. He had I, this. Is, he had an um, a will had uh, he was using glasses and then something got in his eye and he was wondering what we use. Mm. Follow up my eye doctor appointment tomorrow and it feels fine at this point. Keep up the good work. Hmm. Yeah. Face I'm, shields. The, the, I'm the seeing future. watch demagnetizers online right now from anywhere from $10 to very big fancy industrial ones from MSC for $657. Um, but the watch demagnetizers, a lot of them are around $10 to $30. What do you What do you need to demagnetize your watch I for? I don't fucking, I'm not a aura. Oh, you don't know. <laughs> you're not a what? An aurologist. Uh, a fucking, I think you're like, what the fuck word was that? An auror? <laughs> An auror? Uh, hmm. so. Yeah, I don't know. Don't know. Right. There you go. Okay. Okay. Let me tell everybody about Texas Farrier Supply. Um, they sell everything you'd possibly... If you're a knife maker or a farrier, you're going to need some shit. They've got the <laughs> shit. TexasFarrierSupply.com. Um, and when I say got, they got the shit, they've got Indasa Rhinoet, which really is the <laughs> shit. It's amazing. Uh, any sort of hand sanding, um, we all use it because it's the best stuff. You know, you don't want to be using Awful, awful stuff when you hand sand it because it's just, it'll take you forever. It ends up costing a fortune. Just just do it. Get Indasa Rhino wet. It's the only stuff to use. They sell it at TexasFarrowSupply.com as well as everything else they've got there. We can get you 10% off. If you put Knife Talk 10 in, in the promo code box at checkout, you'll get 10% off your full, full order. Uh, so go take a look. TexasFarrowSupply.com. We do have one last why me, why me, why does this always happen to me, but it's really up to you. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. This one comes yeah. from Ebon Blades Customs. So why me, why me, why does this always happen to me is like a deep dive. We deep dive into it, and um, uh, this is the last one we have. 
Why me? Why me? Why does this always happen to me? Every time I bring my emotional support eagle to a knife show, he always shits all over the knives. That's a deep cut right there. But seriously, <laughs> the last few knives I've ground, I seem to be getting a slight recurve on the heel of my knife. While I have an idea of what causing it, what's causing it, I'd love to hear your feedback. Do you know what? Do you know what he means? Like he's grinding the knife and he's taking off too much material off of the end, one end. Yeah. So, what kind of blade did he say? What kind of blade it was? I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah. We'll we'll have to just assume that it's. We'll just assume that it's. He's just taking off too much material off the back. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So we're assuming that it's a flat blade, and he's wanting it to stay flat. And when he's right. done grinding, it ends up being recurved. Right. I, I so think he's, he's just taking, taking off too, too much, much material. material. Yeah. Off somewhere. Off one part of the knife. Yeah. Stop what it. Do you think? I think <laughs> just stop it. Dial it back. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, it's, enough. Yeah. it's enough already. We've had enough of your, your problems. No, no, no. Figure I, it out. I mean, and I know it's, there is a <laughs> there's definitely a tricky part where it's like, where do I stop on the machine and then finish by hand? Because and I've I've had to learn this and figure this out. Uh, and it, it even happens with grip progressions like you don't want to go you know maybe you start with 36 but you don't want to go all the way to the finished dimension with 36 because then you still have to polish after that right um so at a certain point you stop at 36 and then you go to you know uh 60 120 220 400 whatever you're going and then you eventually get off the machine and finish by hand and so you, you need to maybe basically just dial it back a little bit and if you're having a hard time with that area stop early and finish by hand I don't know what else to tell you though. Stop it. What do you What do you think, Craig? <laughs> I, I just stop it. No, I. I can, can you say it again? Because I can't quite. Right, I so can't see it in my head. He's grinding the blade down, and then he right, ends yeah. up turning into a recurve, as in he's basically taking off a little bit too much material in one spot, and it's making yeah, it the, yeah. the blade edge not a regular straight radius or a straight line. It's like it's like a he's. Taking too, he's making one part too thin and uh, thinner than the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I, I I'd say that pro, I bet that's probably in the middle. So let's say he's got let's say he's got a two inch platen, and um, let's say you're grinding right handed from your left to your right. Um, if you're going back and right. forth, back and forth, and you're not taking just strokes, you know, in one line, I've, uh, you see a lot of people going back and forth, back and forth. The bit on the left is actually being ground twice as much as the bit on the right, because as because that is always being ground. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I, I can picture this. I can picture this in my head. No, no, no you're, you're making sense. You're making sense. Keep going. But it's always being ground. Whereas the bit on the right will, will come off the platen, whilst the other bit is still being ground. Um, so when you move down the blade, that that spot in the middle, um, if if you're not taking single passes, if you're going back and forth, back and forth, you will find that that one, you know, and, until you get the knack of it and you sort of ease off the pressure, you will find that that one is being ground a lot more than the rest. And if you're doing the same on both sides, well, guess what? The middle of the knife is still the middle of the knife, so you, you're doubling the problem as well. Um, so I'd, I'd say try 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 and work in single passes, so from left to right, off back on left to right, um, or if you know if you're aware of why it's happening, just just ease off a little bit on 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 your on your left side if if you're doing it that way. And obviously, 
mirror image, if you're doing the other side of the knife, you'd be on the right side. Um, maybe that's what's happening. I don't know. Going, scrubbing it back and forth is always a problem. That's always yeah, a problem. Yeah. The other thing is, is a lot of times people are holding, the, especially if you're freehanding the knife, or even if you're using a jig or like a like a bevel table with a bevel jig, you know, the way you push the knife against the platen, sometimes people like push a little bit too far so it, it goes into the corner, which you'll get much more, you'll take a lot more off. And if you put, mm. if you don't put the pressure flat against the um the platen like i use a push stick and i and i really i I pull strokes out because i'm very conscious of and whatever hand is holding the knife i make sure that i'm that hand is pulling it out but it isn't pushing it against so i'm not like taking more material off on the against the platen edge because that could Mm. be a problem too but those are all i mean i think that's what it comes from it's just not being even. And then you got to look down, you got to look at the edge too every so often to see what part's thicker and what part's thinner and then address those parts and maybe back off the thinner parts and stick on the th- on the thing. That can also happen from if you're pulling the knife off, not parallel, not perpendicular to the platen, but if you're at a, at a 45 degrees, sometimes you can, I've done that where I'm actually pulling it 45 degrees off the platen and then mm. you'll end up taking, sometimes it's the same thing with what Craig was saying. You end up taking a little bit more off the middle than you were the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just want to be clear. I'm, I'm not trying to be a dick. I, the, I've absolutely struggled with this. And this is, a, and what I said earlier, it's exactly what I had to do to fix that problem. Yeah. Just stop it. Yeah. Stop just it. Stop it. <laughs> okay, let's. Um, I'll read out the question now, and what it's quite a long question. Whilst I'm doing that, you guys um, have a look down the list and pick one um, each uh, before we call it a day. This is from Simple Works Knives. Um, he's got a long one ahead. He said, "Hey, it's been a while. Um, so recently, someone left my life suddenly and without warning. It was the person who told me all I know about knife making." Not only did I feel devastated and left without any sort of guidance, uh, but I'm pretty new to the craft. Uh, my, wor- my work has been stalled for a month. I didn't have anyone to ask for advice. I had uh, blades ready for hardening with nowhere to harden them. And in general, I just didn't feel like making it at all. He was the only person in the world who I've looked at and said to myself, this is who I want to be when I'm 58. Uh, so anyway, what's your story? Uh, what? Uh, where did you learn? Have you ever been an apprentice to a master like I was? Is there anyone who will inherit the craft from you? Uh, he says, be healthy and stay sharp. Um, that that could have been a really good deep cut for us, actually, to start well, the show. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so let's break that down a bit. So uh, what's your story? Well, where did you learn? Have you ever been an apprentice to a master? Um, and is there anyone who will inherit the craft? From I like you? the idea of also adding: Have any has anyone really let you down? Because I mean, that was the that was what stuck with me: the idea of like having this someone that you kind of look up to and they let you down. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, for, with regards to knife making, um, no, I've never really been around knife makers really. Um, so I yeah. 
you know, ev- everything I've learned has been sort of self-taught and from from doing the show. I started the show really when I started making my first knives, and the and the reason for that was just to just to ask people questions. Um, and I was you know quite fortunate enough to get some you know sort of, sort of high-profile knife makers on, and I could basically just try and get into their head and try and work out how they do things. Um, so that has really been the biggest resource for me, weirdly, this show, um, because. You know, I, I, there's not a community of knife makers around here, which I'm part of. Um, I, I don't do shows because I live quite rural. Um, so, so yeah, for me, I didn't really have anybody to be sort of, to be my sort of master, if that makes sense. Um, and he's got the second part of, uh, part of this here, is that anyone who will inherit the craft from you? Um, no, I I did have somebody here a couple of years ago who was coming in to help me do bits, and I can see he is making his own knives now, actually on Instagram, which is which is good to see. But um, well, you know, yeah, he didn't learn much from me at all. He, you know, he, he's like me, almost self-taught. Um, so no, but but I would like to think there's there's others like me where this show has this show has helped them. Um, yeah, maybe maybe that's um that's the legacy. This show, which is quite fucking depressive. <laughs> Come on, man. No, especially if you're helping. If you're actually helping. I mean, I do know. We get it all messages all the time. The show is helping people. And so mm. I, I don't think yeah, that's maybe anything so. yeah, maybe so. shame to, to bat an eye on. I think that's absolutely valuable. Yeah, yeah. But okay, Morocco, you, your story, you, you briefly mentioned it in the past. And, I, and, and to be fair, Jeff's other podcast, The Full Blast, um, we've both been on that show and we've both told our sort of full story, how we got into it and all the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, if you look at Jeff's full blast episodes, and they're, they're probably early episodes when we were on, um, yeah, our story would be there very, in full. They're very, but, very uh, in-depth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but in brief, Marco, what, what's the story? I got my start working for a well-known knife maker named Bob Kramer. Um, and, yeah, I think uh, – I. I I can't remember the questions exactly, but that's how I got started and, and, and learning from him. Um, it was kind of, kind of an, an informal uh, apprenticeship. It, we, we had never kind of approached it as an apprenticeship. Um, more than anything, he just needed somebody in the shop to help him with the process. Um, but it, it actually, after a couple of years, it, it did actually start to feel like more of an apprenticeship. Um, but it only lasted for a few years. Um, but I did gain a lot of skills and I think I'm very thankful for the processes that we went through, um, which was, I'm sure is actually quite similar to what you're doing, Jeff, or actually you as well, Craig, where you're, you're doing step by step doing multiple, uh, the same process on multiple knives. And especially when it comes to the blade grinding, um, I found that very, very helpful. Um, and I, I've, I feel like I've I've become quite a, a, a solid grinder and, and handle sculptor as well because I wouldn't just grind one blade. I would grind, you know, 12 blades or I'd sculpt. I wouldn't just sculpt one handle. I would sculpt in a day. I'd sculpt, you know, eight, six to eight knives in a day, handles in a day. And uh, that time on task really helped me. Um, what was the other part of the – what am I supposed to be answering? <laughs> Um, where are we? Um, we, is there anyone who will inherit the craft from you? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people ask me if my kid will get into knife making and honestly, like, I can't say, I don't know. I mean, he's around it and he thinks it's cool and interesting. Um, but he also is six years old right now. So <laughs> who knows what he wants to get into? Hmm. Uh, I think right now he still wants to be a, uh, 
uh, intergalactic paleontologist. So <laughs> nice. <yeah. laughs> that's a, that's way better than knife making. Yeah. Um, uh, but I do like you were saying, Craig. I, I I do think that this being part of this podcast has really helped people, or been an outlet for me to help people, as well as through my Instagram and teaching classes here and there and which i'm hoping to continue to do moving forward so if anything hopefully part of part of my knowledge and skills and legacy or understanding uh go toward other people in various ways but not necessarily through kind of like an, a formal apprenticeship but hopefully that mm-hmm. it, I, it what i'm putting out there is helping and bringing value to people that they can then put into their own work or make their own in their own way and, and continue to carry on and pass on themselves. Cool. Cool. Jeff. Well, I was a metal worker and I was a sculptor in college and focusing on metal work. And then after college, I worked for other metal artists. I had my own studio and made sculpture. And then I was doing metal work for lots of structures for sculptures and stuff like that. I did a tiny detour in the restaurant business, ended up getting a job at the Center for Metal Arts uh, as a fabricator, and that's where I became a proficient fabricator and learned how to be a blacksmith. And at the time, we thought knife makers were dorks, <laughs> frankly. I mean, <laughs> I mean every, anybody who wanted to come in came from these renaissance festivals and they thought it was all like and we hated them we hated one guy applied for a job and his experience was larping and we were like this no this is no good and so i we thought they were dorks and then my friend matt paul was teaching a class and asked me to help him as an assistant just help him with the forges and help the students and stuff like that and i thought no no problem and then i thought i could forge one of these knives and i forged the knife along with helping everything along i thought it was great i enjoyed it a lot immensely i liked the whole learning about the heat treatment because we never did that before i liked the finishing i liked the putting the handles on i liked the whole thing and then i thought maybe there's something here so when i was working on railings and working on other stuff i started to knock out some knives and then i really you you know went down the besides the forging i had behind me the forging wasn't what i needed to learn how to do it was more about the the uh, finishing and i went down the rabbit the rabbit hole of the aaron goff michael trolsky youtube videos and then started to befriend other knife makers and learning from other knife makers on social media and then kind of befriending other bladesmiths and blacksmiths and learning from them and in regards to a legacy I mean, I don't really, my daughter doesn't want to be that, doesn't want to do this and, and I wouldn't want her to. And I like this business, this business is growing and I'd like it to turn into something that of value to someone, maybe my family, maybe not. And you know, that's, that's it. And podcasting, I could see myself doing for the rest of my life. I'd love to get into radio, frankly. I listen to radio guys and I'd even consider doing like an overnight show, like at two o'clock and the talk to the taxi drivers and two o'clock in the morning about the jets and the, you know oh really? I, wow. there's a fucking it's a di- listening to overnight radio it's a different beat man it's a different beat your audience <laughs> a different fucking group of people yeah and you know cab drivers and bus drivers and people are tired and i i, I would i wouldn't mind doing a doing four hours a night It'd be kind of cool Get on it. There's gonna be there's gonna be a local radio station somewhere, a community it, station I or get, something. I get everything I want out of this. The problem is, is like radio now is just so you're so hamstrung by program managers. Mm. 
you know, the, here's yeah, the funny yeah. thing. We talk about other knife, other podcasts. You know, the reason why certain radio isn't good is because there are people behind the stage, behind the scenes, telling this is what you can do, this is what you can't do, and it's it 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 hand tie, it ties you up because you can't talk about certain things. You have to hit certain beats. Mm. You have to you have to have certain breaks and stuff like that. What we do, it's fun, and a lot of knife, a lot of podcasters have nobody telling them your show sucks except for me <laughs> so so it's 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 we should have a section where you review oh, a podcast God, each week. I can't. so you you'll pick a random podcast and just give it a review oh, each week i can't do it i can't do it I, ha, ha, I can't do it i won't do it i won't do it but i was on my friend our friend a listener of our, po- our show jd eiler had a show called out of the out in the woods and I told mm. him, I said, "You do give me a year of straight podcasting. You have to do give me a year of straight podcasting. I'll come on." He said, "He called me up. He says I did a whole year, once a week. I did a year. <laughs> so now you got to come on." So I went on, and we had a nice little conversation. He's a good kid, so he's one of our listeners. Cool. Out, out in the woods, nice JD Eiler. Cool. <sighs> okay, if you guys seen a question that uh, jumps out here. I'll take this one from Nathan Scott. He says, uh, "Do you guys ever have a problem knowing when to stop?" Meaning, I've had many knives that I quote somebody at a cheaper price for a knife. I think we did this last week. Oh, did we? I oh, think yeah, we yeah. Did. Okay. yeah, sorry. I think so. yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I'm now seeing that. All right, let me skip to the next one then. Uh, Uncle Sam Metal uh, Metal. Am I saying that right? Metal Works. Metal Work. Yeah, yeah. Uncle okay. Sam. You know Uncle Sam. Yeah. Okay. Question for the show. My shop is outside. When hardening 440C, uh, could my aluminum plates be uh, too cold to... Br- Sorry, what? Oh, my God. You just deleted that thing and it fucked up the feed. <laughs> oh, sorry. You're I'll, good. Uh, sorry. This all jumped at, yeah. Uh, could my uh, uh, aluminum plates uh, be too cold to bring inside um, in below 30 degrees weather? I fractured some ball bearings, uh, 52100, from cold to warm. Is this an issue? He's new to stainless. So are his aluminum plates too cold if it's 30 degrees below, if it's 30 degrees? Is there a point where, and you could probably answer this too, Mareko, is can things, when you're quenching, can it be too cold? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's, I mean, obviously Laren would be better for this, but I think there's significant stress. Um, but I, I, I do think, oh, who was it? I was talking to Sean Houston of Triple B, uh, the other day for my, my Patreon. And we, he was talking about optimizing stainless heat treat when you're after hardening, uh, and when to go into, uh, like a cryo treatment or sub-zero treatment. And it's right away. Uh, it's, it's not, uh, you don't want to do a snap temper, uh, according to him. Um, you want to go straight in from your hardening, from your oscillating temperature, quench it however you're going to quench it, plates or oil or whatever, and then go into os- or and then go into a sub-zero treatment um, immediately because um, you will start to stabilize. Oh, so the point of going into the sub-zero is to transform that austenite. Um and if you temper before going into the sub-zero, you stabilize uh, some of that austenite, and it doesn't actually kick over uh, like you would like it to. Um, so, but I do think, mm. you know, I I would be uh, for sure a bit concerned about the amount of stress that is going into something, um, maybe a little bit too cold. Um, but I have very, I, I've been fortunate to not have a lot of experience of breaking blades, um, 
using using yeah. like exotic steels because I just I do a lot of my work with kind of s- simple high carbon steels. But you wouldn't want hmm. your oil if you're quenching an oil. You wouldn't it to be you wouldn't want it to be ice cold. I was going to say that. I, th- I think the difference with oil and getting a, getting a warmer temperature is down to the viscosity of the right. oil changes with the temperature. I think the difference in temperature. I mean, here he's talking about using aluminium plates anyway. Um, so the the viscosity of the oil isn't isn't an issue. Um, but I think what I mean, the difference between outside and in, and inside. It's going to be what thirty degrees Celsius, probably at most, and that's such a small percentage of the temperature you're bringing sure. down. Because if you're Celsius, you're probably talking sort of nine fifty to a thousand anyway. Thirty degrees and a thousand isn't much. Personally, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. So certainly, don't take this as as red and start breaking blades. Um, but I can't really see it being an issue. Um, I think. When we talk about the you know the, the temperature when when uh, quenching, I think we're normally talking about you know oil quenching or, or whatever medium you're putting into, and that's down to the viscosity really. Hmm, that's interesting because I would think I would I would, my original thought would have been to just warm them up a little bit. That would my original thought would be maybe it's too cold, like. Because it's the quench is, I mean, the, and, and in regards to what Mareko was saying, yeah, Fingal said the same thing. He's like, you, you, if you're going to cryo, you have to do it immediately. So when I do the cryo, I, I mean, I'm almost barely room temperature. It's like, I, if I can touch it, I put it into the cryo. Right. Yeah. You know, because I, 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 I read that, I heard about that. Um, you, you need it right away. But at the same time, like, I know that when I do, when I play quench and it's freezing, if it's like b- below freezing, I try to warm them up a little bit because I'm just afraid that it's too much stress. Um, but, you know, give, there's only one way to find out, Uncle Sam. One way to find <laughs> out. And if it's like, you know, eighth of an inch, I wouldn't worry so much about it. I think it's when it's like super duper thin with a, you know, that's when you have the problems. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jeff, have you got a question, a burning question um, on the a uh, burning question? <laughs> yes, a burning question. This one comes from Mark LeBlanc. That's a Papa Hotch, Hache Axe. That's our, that's our boy, Papa Hotch. Um, hmm. Hi, guys. Question for you. If you were to weld knife steel, could it be heat treated? Are there some welding rods or wire heat uh, that are treated? Can you heat treat welding rods? You know, well, you know, if you weld something up, can you heat treat that hmm. bit? I wouldn't have thought so, but I I don't know. Um, I don't know. All right, there you go. Good job, Papa Hotch. <laughs> I, I would think that you wouldn't want it to be part of your cutting edge, at least, because when you're welding, yeah, yeah. you are melting that material, at least using conventional either stick, MIG, uh, TIG. You are melting that material together. And once you do that, you are transforming that steel. So even if you're making, say, a sandmai, a simple sandmai sandwich, you TIG or MIG, whatever, all the edges, you you put it in the forge, heat it up, you press it or hammer it, whatever. Usually all of that welded edge, you cut away because that's all become crap. It's all garbage at that point. Once you've melted that material, it's garbage. Uh, And you do not want that as part of your finished piece. The only thing similar that I can think of was I once welded on, after the knife was heat treated, I put like a, 
I put like a wet towel around the, the blade edge and I had to like add on some steel onto the handle. And then I welded on steel. On, it was a full tang knife. And I needed some steel on that for the handle. And I did that and I didn't seem to be a problem, but I sure. already heat treated the knife. So it didn't really matter. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think there's, I don't think that they make, they make hard faced electrodes and stuff, but they're, I don't believe that they're meant to be heat treated. Like, I don't think the stuff for like facing anvils is meant to be heat treated, but I don't know. I don't so, know. Only one way to find out. That's <laughs> maybe that's the name of the report podcast. back. Only one, <laughs> yeah. You know, only one way to find out. Yeah, the last three questions we've had the same answers <laughs> been. We don't fucking know. <laughs> okay, I think that's the show. Um, thank you all for sticking with us. Uh, we shall be back again next Monday. Bye for now. Okay, we're still here. Really. We're still here. Oh yes, yeah, welcome. Free. This is the free after no. show. Yeah, the free after show. So what are you guys listening to, reading, uh, watching, what's what's uh, tickling your fancy this week? I went week? to bed at 8.30 last night. Oh, I felt hell. so good when I woke up this morning. It was like insane. Well, I, I mean, the night I went to the Knicks game, I went to, I had four hours of sleep for the next day. And then last night I, I went to bed at 8.30 and I woke up at 5. I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Nice. 8.30? Yeah, unbelievably good. Jeez. Ridiculously good. Just unbelievably good. That's great. I haven't been able to watch it. I couldn't. I know I couldn't sleep. If I went at 8.30, I'd be, I'd probably have a sleepless night because I'd be just awake. Oh, sure. You know, and then when, when you get into that whole thing of like, oh, now I can't sleep. And then yet, yeah. oh, oh man. so good. I wish I could. I, I can't nap either. Like my wife can just like, she can just like, I'm going to have 10 minutes and she'll just put her head back and she'll, she'll nap. That's a kiss of death and I feel like shit if I try that. I, yeah, I don't feel I am, good at I'm all. I'm 100% a na- power napper, for sure. Yeah. Really? What's oh, your shortest nap? I wish. Probably like two minutes. Oh, that's, 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 that's holding your breath. <laughs> you <laughs> no. can sleep for two <laughs> no. minutes? No, this is the story. I was, uh, what was it? My wife and I were moving in. I was doing 80 down the motorway. And <laughs> oh, I've almost fallen asleep driving. That's scary. Um, yeah. Uh, my wife and I were moving in together and we were moving, she had been living with her parents at the time. And so I was helping her move things out and I was gassed. I was super tired. It was in like late afternoon, two or three o'clock. We're still going. And I was like, God, I need to like take a quick nap. And for her naps are like two, three hour ordeals. She wakes up, she feels like shit, super groggy, blah, blah, blah. And it sucks. And so she's like, no, we just need to keep going. And I was like, and so I we kept going, but I was slowly dragging more and more ass. <laughs> and she's like, fine, go lay down, take a nap. And she was um, not very happy about it. But when, uh, <laughs> so I went back, I laid down, and my technique, and I was talking to somebody else about how they do naps too. And it's, you, you lay down in a position that you wouldn't necessarily like sleep the whole night through. So, or, or it's lay down in a place like in the middle of the living room floor where you wouldn't, you know, sleep for long periods of time. So I went and uh, laid on the bed, but I laid with my legs hanging off the edge of the bed, Ugh. which is not great for long-term sleep, but for a power nap, it was perfect. I literally, I close my eyes. I disappear for, I don't know how long. And then I wake up and usually what happens is because I'm laying on my back, I'm a, I'm a chronic snorer. So <laughs> I'll, I'll start going <laughs> and I'll wake myself hmm. up. And in doing that, I'm like, I wake myself up. It's like my own automatic alarm. I'm like, all right, 
let's go. So I come back out and my wife sees me walking through the hallway and she's like, what are you doing? I thought you were taking a nap. I was like, I did. And she's like, really? (laughs) And I I was like, yeah. How long was I back there for? Like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. She's like, you you like literally went back there like two minutes ago. I was like, I don't know what to tell you. That's it. Let's go. That's a a power. That's a power. That's that's a, that's a superpower. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, First time it happened was uh, in high school. Yeah. yeah. Wow. No, if if I have any sort of nap which isn't in the evening, for the rest of the day I'll just be feeling yeah. terrible, headache, and, ugh, hungry. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't. There's nothing yeah, to eat in this house. Doesn't suit me. <laughs> I just <laughs> n- listened to a new podcast called the Huberman Lab Podcast, and I was actually turned to, turned on to it by our friend Mr. Nick Anger. Uh, and he said, start at the start. And uh, so I did that. I'm only on like the third podcast. But the first, after the first introductory podcast that talks about uh, neurology, this guy's a professor at Stanford University about neuro- neurology and brain science and stuff like that. Uh, so the first episode is kind of introductory about what the rest of the podcast is about. And then the second episode is sleep. And then the third episode is like a follow-up to the sleep episode with a lot of people had a lot of feedback and questions. And he's going into it. And it's really good. Um, but I'm looking forward hmm. to listening to more of this podcast. It's been a long time since I found a new podcast that I was really interested in listening to. So I'm excited for that. But people should check that out. Um, and he has a lot of really great information about how just like our our biology is designed to help set those kind of like sleeping and waking rhythms. And the things that we do just in everyday life and how they affect them and blah, blah, blah. And, and things you can do to help kind of reset yourself or how to take quality naps versus you know naps that make you feel like shit but quick question mm. for you Mareko. are you like moving around on your mic uh because you're going you're you're, am i going in and out yeah yeah volume wise yeah 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 yeah. interesting i'm gonna i'm gonna get the messages trust me okay i i've been (laughs) sitting right in front of my mic i think there's differences from looking talking directly into the mic and turning off about Mm. 20 degrees right Sorry, guys. Sorry. Sorry, it's, it's okay. my fault. Don't blame Craig. Don't blame Jeff. I fucked up. <laughs> it's all right. Don't worry about blame it. Je- they all blame no, Jeff. They, they always blame, blame Jeff. Jeff. They chirp at yeah. me. I get chirped yeah. at. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Let's see what happens. I'm just joking. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's now. <laughs> we know All right, happens. everybody. That's the, yeah. new th- that's the new thing. <laughs> Chirping me, joking. and I'm sending I'm forwarding it to the big man. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking block a Rooney. Yeah. So. <laughs> what are you listening to, Jeff? Anything special? I've been listening to talk radio like sports radio i'm like i'm tr- i'm getting ready for i'm getting ready for baseball season i talked to jesse killian jesse killian's all ready for the phillies he's re- we talk I, baseball's the best and i can't wait for it. this new they have a new rule that's going to make this season very interesting it's called the pitch count clock pitch count clock so now one of the reasons i think well most likely one of the reasons why baseball to find people find it boring is because there's all this time between pitches. So now hmm. there's a clock that oh, once nice. the catcher throws the ball to the pitcher, he's got like 13 seconds to throw the ball. And then the batter oh, wow. has a few seconds to get back in the batter's box. So they've been fooling around with the, with the pitch count clock through it's now we're in spring training. Everybody's down in Florida playing. And it's turning a three and a half hour game into two and a half hour game or a three hour game into two and a half hour game. 
So what's mm. happening is is it's going to be really interesting to see how pitchers deal with it because you know they hold on to the ball and they create tension and they have there's all this I find it I like it when they're like sitting on the mound and like you know calling off pitches from the batter uh, from the catcher and stuff but this year is going to be really interesting because now games are going to be like you know two and a half hours instead of four hours so mm. that's what's been interesting to me and then um. Yeah, I've been listening. There's this. It's interesting because all these. I was talking about in the beginning. All these radio stations, because radio is, is is dead. I mean, there's not really a lot of radio personalities anymore because you know people listen to Spotify, their music, and they listen to podcasts. Yeah. So the only thing that's really live that gets listens is sports radio because it's not really. It doesn't. Sports radio doesn't translate well to podcasts because time. You know, today is different than tomorrow. So what do you want to hear yeah, about yeah. a baseball game from two weeks ago? So sports radio is interesting because it's like very in the now. Like you can't really do it for for as a podcast, especially if you want to listen back. Mm. So all these guys are starting to do more ranting because the rants become viral. And it's fascinating <laughs> because it's like you can tell that they're just like, this worked for him. Maybe this will work for me. So all these guys are losing their fucking shit at the listener, <laughs> which is hilarious. And it made me mm. think a new bit might be rant of the day where we pick a topic and everyone regardless you don't even know what it is and then each one of us has to rant for two minutes we lose our fucking <laughs> minds over the dumbest things of all time just for the listeners yeah. eh? bring in those yeah. listeners yeah no you're right what you say about radio and it's the you know it's the same way as tv is gone really isn't it you know it's it's nobody watches and and they're hanging right. on for dear life by taking you know commercial money and then they've got to be careful what they what they present because they don't want to piss off the commercials and but what are all the best shows yeah. now are on you know netflix and hbo yeah. where you can say whatever you want and you know people are yeah. people want that kind of realism but it, it's it's I find that I find it's interesting, and I can't believe I'm listening. I've just been listening to sports radio morning, noon, and night, and I'm I'm, I'm fascinated by the chemistry that the different hosts have, and I'm learning more about sports, and it's kind of it's been very interesting to me. So. Nice, nice. Okay, if anybody's got any recommendations for books, um, music, podcasts we should listen to, um, send them our way. I'm always looking I for listen stuff. To the full blast and- podcast. I have Ben Stewart coming oh, on tomorrow. Again? Well, I fucked up the first one. Jeez. And I'm going to have Alexander Bull, the, the, the titanium oyster knife guy. The titanium guy, yeah. And yeah, then Bree nice. Pattis in two yeah. weeks. Nice. Okay, you got the add-in. Okay. <laughs> right. Thank you all for listening. We shall speak to you again next week. Bye for now. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.